Welcome to the official ABA Law Student Podcast, where we talk about issues that affect law students and recent grads. From finals and graduation to the bar exam and finding a job, this show is your trusted resource for the next big step. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. All right, guys, we have a very special guest today on our podcast. We have Craig Savitsky, and he is a senior data analyst at Law360. And let me just say, I feel like a fellow data analyst because I'm taking an e-discovery class. So this will be a very intimate talk of two data analysts, um, me pretending to be one and him actually being one. But Craig is here because Law360 has what I believe is truly like they're doing great work because they are doing surveys with law students about the summer associate program and being a fellow. Well, being a former summer associate, I truly love talking about being a summer associate and, you know, anything that goes into being a summer associate. So please welcome Mr. Craig Savitsky. How are you, Craig? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks to Mario. Thanks so much uh, for having me on. Uh, it's it's great to meet you. And I'm really excited to have this opportunity to um, communicate, you know, what I think are some exciting findings to our uh, summer associate survey to your audience of, of law students. Also keen to hear uh, about whether or not they're aligned with some of your firsthand experiences, Demario. Well, I'm going to tell you the truth. So I'm going to be uh, patient zero today, and I am going to let you know if these are along the lines of the questions that need to be asked, and I will be as honest as I can be today. <laughs> Please do. We're, uh, we're very receptive to, to feedback, and we're always looking to you know, make improvements. So. Good deal. Good deal. All right. So, Craig, give us a brief overview of the Summer Associates survey. Um, I understand there were two parts, uh, a pre and a post survey. Uh, the survey is uh, summer experience. So talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Happy to. So our annual uh, survey of Summer Associates is a two-parter. Um, so this is technically our second annual, although we did have a, a predecessor survey called our um, Summer Experience Survey, which we launched in 2020, which was, you know, right in the, the sort of deep in the throes of the pandemic. So it's technically the third year um, that we have longitudinal data for, but it is our technically our second annual Summer Associate Survey. So, um, yeah, like you mentioned, there's a sort of pre and a post survey. So the first part we launches in the uh, spring. And for that one, we're sort of um, interested in what students undertake in order to, um, you know, procure, you know, a highly uh, coveted associateship. And then come the fall, we check back with those students. So not it's not necessarily the same students that um, participated from survey to survey, but it is the same base of um, students that we reach out to. And yeah, so we're, we're asking, you know, whether or not COVID impacted the associateship. We also, you know, want to get a sense of firm's a reputation among, among law students. And then in the follow-up, you know, we want to hear whether or not the programs lived up to the expectations, you know, had reporting structures evolved um, now that more programs took place in person. 
Did law schools adequately prepare them for the tasks um, expected of them? And, you know, and we just want to hear uh, how creative firms got with their uh, social events, you know, now that the shackles of the pandemic have been, you know, lifted, so to speak. Well, I can tell you my first summer, I went pottery making. So uh, wow. I think that was out of the norm. I went to pottery making. So I actually have a pottery dish that I made on my summer associate um, time. So um, that's a little bit out of the box, I believe. That's a great anecdote. And I'm definitely excited to share, um, you know, some of the more interesting ones um, we heard about this year. Good deal. So what is the actual purpose of this survey? Like, who is your audience and why are you doing the survey? So our audience is uh, comprised of law students. Um, we surveyed 1Ls, 2Ls and 3Ls, as well as part time and evening students. And so this year, uh, we received a pretty uh, healthy sample. We had uh, 670 responses. And, you know, the reason we do it is to, you know, we really want to hear from the students on, um, you know, whether or not programs are meeting their um, expectations and, you know, and how they could, you know, possibly be improved upon. Good deal. All right. So, um, Craig, what was the most significant change from the last year's survey to this survey? Yeah. So I would say the change uh, that was the most stark to us was that um, the number of programs conducted in person rose to 66 percent. And that is up from 27 percent last year. So, you know, not entirely surprising seeing that, you know, most companies have gone back to business as usual. But I know students in particular expressed a lot of excitement about you know, having the opportunity to do on the job training in actual litigation or deal making scenarios in court, boardroom and other settings. So I think that jump was one of the more noteworthy to me. I actually started law school in 2020, literally the middle of the pandemic. And my first summer at my firm we were actually in person and we actually were one of the first um, and this was in Birmingham, Alabama. We were one of the first programs to actually be in person. And I know the previous year. So uh, so 2020, they actually did a straight online experience. But I do want to say that during my experience, um, during my first year, there were a couple of um, students that were virtual and our firm would do things like random hallway meetings. So you would get like a ding and you would uh, you would basically it would be a hallway meeting. So a person who was virtual, you would get on Zoom with them and just talk to them like you would as you were exchanging throughout. So that was something that was pretty cool. But I didn't have the experience of being virtual at a summer associate. However, I had that fear looming over my head like, are they going to make us virtual? Is it going to happen? Is it not? So, yeah, I can really um, relate. That's really interesting. It's almost as if they were trying to sort of simulate the uh, you know, right. water, water cooler experience. Exactly. Of, you know, the, uh, the stop and chat in the elevator. Yeah. And what was crazy about it, they would put like a random a random tidbit or something in the chat that you would talk about. Like, hey, did you see that? Uh, I don't know. Whatever it was. 
and it was just be so random. But that is an experience that you would have at the firm if everyone was in person. You would just a random person. You would see them and you would speak and something. And yeah. So um, what was the and this is going to be very subjective. <laughs> what were the students top choice of firms? Before I get to that, um, I just to return just briefly to the in-person experience. Uh, firms, uh, you know, were doing their best to sort of uh, facilitate that, and we learned that seventy-two percent of firms, you know, were actively taking measures to encourage participation from attorneys, and that included requiring in-office attendance or clustering mandatory report dates um, to overlap with the summer class so they could really try and, you know, get them that network experience, you know, particularly now in the, you know, present day work environment where things are so fractured and, and you know, people are, are working hybrid models. So they, the firms were really taking efforts to try and, you know, give the summers as much of a, a, a traditional experience as they could. And, yeah, and if I could just sort of delve into a couple of other of the uh, significant changes that we saw from last year's survey. Okay. We noticed that there was a drop-off in uh, pro bono work. Pro bono work declined by seven percentage points um, from last year to this year. All right, so um, we're going to actually take a quick break, and um, we'll be right back with Craig Savitsky. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot C-C and get $500 off with code HAPPY24. This episode is brought to you by the American Bar Association's Law Student Division. It's never too early to start exploring potential practice areas and building your network in the field. The Law Student Division provides students like you with resources and experiences aimed at helping them succeed in law school and prepare for what's next. Claim your full law student membership for just $25 by visiting ambar.org join. All right, and we're back with Craig Savitsky. He's a senior analyst at Law 360, and they did a summer associate survey. So we were actually talking about some of the differences from the last year's survey into this survey. Um, was that that was the main portion, or was, was there anything else that stood out to you? Yes. So the uh, percentage of summer associates allowed to get involved in pro bono work declined by seven percentage points. So it was at 68% this year um, from 75% a year ago. And we didn't ask why they may not have uh, been allowed to partake in, in pro bono initiatives. But if I were to speculate, I know that the number of innovation projects that they were um, allowed to work on was pretty substantial this year. I think it was like over 50%. And those uh, that were getting involved in innovation projects 
said that they were on average uh, given about 35 hours per week to do so. So um, that may have uh, usurped some of that that time. And then, you know, uh, one of the, the most noteworthy, you know, things that, that stood out to me was that less than half of students uh, received hiring assurances this year. So that number was at 49%, down six percentage points from 2021, but down a, a lofty 25 uh, percentage points from 2020. So does that mean that more people left knowing that they had a job when they finished law school? Is that what that means? So these are the summer associates, you know, sort of saying that they haven't been given any assurances that they would receive an offer um, after their associateship comes to a close. And, you know, that's down 25%. So, you know, it it leads one to sort of wonder why why that might be the case, why those opportunities, you know, aren't arising at the at the frequency that they once did. I could think, and this is all alleged, and this is just my my opinion. So I worked at two firms. One firm, I definitely got the assurance that I would um, possibly get a job if everything worked out correctly and then I did another firm and they pretty much just said we were just doing a summer associate program and it's really we don't really hire from our summer associates and I could think that possibly over COVID some of the firms probably were hit hard they probably lost business and they had to continue their summer associate program but they didn't have anywhere to put those summer associates and they probably were like a little bit unsure of where the market and where everything would go so they probably i mean just hearing from that's what i would think it could possibly be absolutely i i would agree uh with that assessment and again this is you know purely speculative on my part right. but i i, I Mine do too But I I do recall from our our 2020 uh, survey, the 2020 iteration, when we were really in in the heart of the global pandemic, that a lot of firms were uh, deferring uh, hirings, you know, on account of oftentimes uh, canceled uh, associateships. So I think, uh, you know, if I were to venture to guess, I would think that a lot of those deferments have contributed contributed to a bottleneck in hiring. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Like, even if you're, I guess, from a business perspective, even if you weren't hiring, you still need to keep up this, I guess, I don't want to say facade, but that's the only thing I can think of right now, that everything is going great. So we need to have this summer associate program. Yeah, I think that's right. It's it's a way to project uh, health. Right, exactly. So this is also purely speculative, but what were your findings about the best firms that uh, people like to go to? Before I delve into that, I'll just give a little bit of context about the methodology um, that we employed. So for the the first survey, um, this being the pre-survey, one of the questions that we asked was sort of, if you could have your, you know, top three wish list firms, you know, your pick of the litter, which would they be? Um, and students were allowed to um, name up to three firms. And what we did was with that was we simply, you know, tallied the um, selections that came back and the top five 
were Kirkland, Latham, Cooley, Scadden, Sidley. So, you know, no, no huge shockers there, kind of like a who's who of, you know, big law firms. But then in the second survey, we provided another ranking. Uh, and this is now, you know, after the students had had uh, some experience as an associate under their belts. And we took five Likert scale questions um, centered around satisfaction. So, you know, one uh, representing least satisfied, five representing the most satisfied. And these questions uh, involve, you know, confidence building, networking, mentorship, fun programming, and, you know, satisfaction around compensation. And we took an average of those responses. And the top five, well, so I guess first I'll say Ropes and Gray sort of emerged victorious as the, as the top firm um, among some summer associates, boasting a perfect score. And they, uh, you know, dethroned the incumbent uh, Morrison Forster from our 2021 survey. And Decker, Alston and Bird and Skadden uh, rounded out the top five. And, you know, you'll also uh, notice, I believe Skadden um, was the only firm which appeared on both lists. So I guess they kind of, you know, li- lived up to, I guess, the fantasy, if you will. Now, is your uh, survey pool only coming from AM100 law firms? No. So these firms were allowed to name any firm, you know, it could be, um, you know, I- IP, a, a boutique small law, big law. We had, it was an, a sort of auto suggest question uh, in terms of the format. So, you know, once you type in um, the first three letters of the firm, then it would appear. But if the firm wasn't on our, you know, pre-populated upload list, then you could just write in any firm. So let me ask you this, and. This is also subjective. Um, I see on the survey, it says, you know, it gets an asterisk if a firm is not in the top 50. And I'm assuming that's the AM100. Is there a certain thought that possibly all of these firms in the top 50 are giving the same experience? So it's just a luck of the draw of what you're getting? Yeah, I think one thing um, that I'll say that we did do is we had a we set a threshold for minimum amount of respondents uh, per firm that we would include in our our rank. Um, And I believe that threshold was five. So, you know, if, if a particular firm only had two students, you know, participating in the survey and reporting sort of on behalf of that firm, then they they wouldn't be included because, you know, such a, a small sample could, you know, heavily skew the the results. So I with that threshold, I think it did, you know, give the ranking um, some more parity than it otherwise uh, might have had. Okay. And we're going to take a quick break right here. So we're back with Craig Savisky. He's the senior analyst at Law360. And we're actually talking about what people view based on this survey as the top firms. So I just want to take a quick deviation. So I worked for a firm that was, I think, number 106 on the AM100. And if you don't know what that is, it's basically AM100 are the top law firms. They considered, quote unquote, big law firms. And the firm I worked at was 106. 
And I truly believe that I had probably one of the best experiences of my life. However, sometimes people feel like if your firm is not on one of these lists, then that's not a firm that is value or you're going to have a good experience or whatever like that. Do you believe that if we keep having surveys like this with a pool of the same firms that are basically the top or, you know, what is considered the best and all of the people that are pooled are from certain schools or whatever like that, you are getting an accurate count or accurate uh, survey of what the experience at some other law firms around the country that people don't even know about. Yeah, that's a really uh, fair question. Uh, you know, I, I would say uh, the I believe the AMLA 100 um, that you're referencing, they rank firms um, according to their gross revenue. And so it's somewhat unavoidable that, you know, the highest grossing um, firms have the largest summer associate programs and, you know, the most slots and, and you know, the largest pool of, of, of candidates. With that said, we, you know, definitely cast a wide net with this firm. We, you know, reached deep into the, the annals of the, the Law 360 marketing Rolodex to try and, you know, um, survey students um, at a national level, you know, far and wide from um, firms of all headcount sizes. So, you know, in terms of our um, participant base, you know, we definitely cast a wide net and we had a fair amount of students from small shops um, from what I was able to glean. But, you know, I think the sort of reality is that the, the big law firms just have the most, you know, the most slots, um, you know, the Kirklands of, of the world. And Gotcha. Cool. OK, so we're going to turn almost... I don't want to say a 360, a law 360. We're going to turn like 180 to a different way. So what was the most surprising or favorite activities that a law student had at these summer associate firms? So you're you're referencing the the social events? Yeah, the social uh, yeah, events. The, sure. Yeah. yeah. So um, we we heard um, some interesting ones uh, this year um, and, and, you know, First, um, I would say that 46% of students um, categorize their firms as, as super fun. Um, and that's on a, you know, Likert scale. Um, and that's almost uh, 19 percentage points uh, more than the year prior. So I think, you know, I think people had their fill of Zoom happy hours and they were... <laughs> Listen, I think there was a happy hour at least every other day or week. So that's the baseline. Yeah. I, and I think people were just sort of ready to sort of uh, let their hair down, I guess, a, a little bit. Um, and, you know, we produced um, a white paper uh, for this particular survey that that co coincided with our package of stories on the Law 360 Pulse website. And the subtitle that we gave the white paper was Fun Mounts a Comeback. And so just to give you sort of a, a snippet of what some of the activities were, we had a, a sunset yacht river cruise with an open bar along the Potomac River an evening uh, in Sonoma wine country, a Paul McCartney concert, 
a floor was booked in the Nike House of Innovation, and they had uh, you know an evening of 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 shopping, a day trip to the beach at Catalina Island, playing volleyball with an Olympic gold medalist at the court in the office, a half day of whitewater rafting with various partner and associate level attorneys, and uh, this one was my personal favorite, attending a hearing where I got to see opposing counsel get yelled at by a judge and called a moron. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, good deal. Good deal. So I do want to say that um, while these are all great experiences to have, I truly believe that if a firm, when they take you to all these different places, they um, shine a light on all these different experiences They you get a great time you really have to go with a firm that respects and treats you well because sometimes you can see all these flashing lights all these flashing lights and then you get there and there's nothing like that so you really need to go to places that you connect with the people and people really want to get to know you because you have to realize in real life, you won't be going to the Paul McCartney concert every week. You won't be on top of the yacht. You might get to see a judge called up post council the moron all the time. <laughs> However, it's about your connection with the person next to you or the class that you come in with. So I do want to to make that clear for everyone. All right. So we are going to do a fun little exercise because I have been a summer associate. I have experienced the good, the bad, the ugly. I would like to take this survey, um, Craig, and see how I fare out um, with this survey. Yeah, that sounds like fun. And uh, yeah, ready to get started whenever you are. All right. Cue the who wants to be a millionaire music. (laughs) All right. I will fire away. Okay. My, uh, and this is a yes, no question. My assigned work during my summer associateship made good use of the skills I learned in law school. Most definitely my writing skills, everything. Um, yeah, most definitely. I was writing memos all the time, um, connecting emails and stuff like that. So those are things I learned in law school. So you would be in the majority. 91% uh, agreed with you. Okay. (laughs) I received clear instructions on my assignments. Yes, no. Most definitely. I would go to um, someone's office and like, okay, let me make sure this is what you want. I didn't get vague uh, instructions or anything like that. Okay. Uh, Again, 94% were in the same camp as you. Yes. (laughs) Here's one where we saw a little bit of a a departure um, in terms of responses. The criteria on which my performance would be judged were made clear from the start. So here's the thing. I will say um, when I first came on as a 1L summer associate, the first thing that my mentor told me is do good work. And I wasn't clear what good work was. He just said, always proofread your work. Always make sure you don't have any errors or anything like that. But as far as really knowing the substantive, I guess, rubric of what I was being graded on, I can't say that I knew in the beginning. And yes, so 76% said yes, but 24% um, said no. So that's almost a quarter of students that 
you know, felt like it was, uh, you know, a bit of a gray area that they weren't really clear how, how they were being evaluated. Um, so I think that's something that would be of, you know, interest to, um, to programs. Okay, moving on to the next question. The firm allowed me to get into pro bono work. Yes, no? Yes, yes, yes. I actually, my first summer and my second summer, I did pro, pro bono work, which really kind of scratched the itch because I came to school to be a public defender. I went to the public defender's office and I saw that really wasn't what I wanted to do. However, I got to scratch that itch by doing pro bono work for criminal trials at my firm. Okay. And yeah, I think, as I mentioned earlier, 68% um, said yes to that. Okay. My summer associate experience has left me confident I am fully prepared to embark on my career at a law firm. Uh, and that would be strongly agree, agree, neither agree uh, nor disagree, disagree or strongly disagree. I'm going to say agree only because... I am 34. I have I'm considered was a non-traditional student. I have, you know, had jobs um, in the workforce and I, I do understand while you can be excited about a job, there are times where you feel like, is am I making the right decision or whatever? But it has it really doesn't have too much to do with the firm that I worked at. It's just personal of like. I know what I've experienced. So kind of like stepping into a new relationship, you're always, you are always cautious about. Sure. Yeah. And that tracks with our, our findings. Only 5% um, disagreed or strongly disagreed. I was assigned to directly work with a partner, an associate, multiple attorneys. I was not assigned to work directly with or other. Most definitely you come in. Uh, I had a junior and a senior, basically an associate and a partner. I did that both summers and I got to work with a wide array of different attorneys at my in, at my associate position. That was, seems like it was a, a common experience. 61% um, worked with uh, multiple people at the firm. I felt I was able to make connections with senior attorneys at the firm. Yes, no. And I know, you know this is one in particular that was, you know, very much hampered um, by the, the, the virtual uh, experience of the past couple of years. But yeah, interesting to hear your perspective. I definitely feel like I did. So my first summer, I had a partner who was, he was my senior. He was over the entire diversity and inclusion department. And I really feel like he was a mentor and I had access to him. My second year, I had a um, partner who was over the summer associates committee the my first year. And I feel like I had a great a relationship with him as well. So I don't know if I just got the pick of the litter, but I feel like I was set up for success with senior partners who um, really... If I needed anything, I could go to them, but there was still in the back of my mind, like, I don't want to mess with them for everything. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Wow. That's nice to hear. And 93%, um, you know, felt also felt like they were able to make real connections with um, some of the, you know, more tenured attorneys at their firm. Okay. So this one is around training um, in software. So 
you know, legal, legal tech, the firm offered me training and software in the following areas, time and billing, document management, practice management and case management, legal analytics, e-discovery. I know, uh, Demario, I believe you said you were taking an e-discovery yeah, class right I'm now. I'm taking e-discovery right now. And uh, contract lifecycle management. So were you afforded training in any of those um, during your associateship? So I think when you get into the e-discovery portion and to the contract management portion, that's getting a very hyper niche into, well, I guess, what a real life associate would do. However, I will say our tech support team, when we first came in, we learned and had access to how to build, how to handle, um, how to go into the different documents to do what we needed to do to go through um, like the document storage system. We got all of the tools that we needed. However, I think those last two or three were, are so specific that we probably wouldn't have learned those things. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And over 75% did report getting some training in time and billing and document management. But yeah, as you stated, you know, the e-discovery and contract uh, lifecycle management, um, which are, you know, a lot more um, niche, they were uh, 27% and 20% respectively. I am acing this exam. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Okay, so moving on to the next question. So here's another sort of tech-focused uh, question. Does the firm have a skills requirement which includes giving summer associates the opportunity to create tools to automate workflow? Um, and, you know, the example that we give is, is no-code uh, document auto automation. I'm going to say I don't know because that sounded like... <laughs> gibberish to me but um it does not mean that the firm that I went to didn't yeah. it just means that i am completely lost on that portion so <laughs> it probably means that uh I, i've been consulting with too many tech wonks <laughs> this is not but yeah that only uh, 16 percent um reported any kind of skills um requirement but we were you know the this uh, i believe was a first time question and we were you know just we were trying to gauge whether or not firms are um you know trying to implement uh, more tech uh, requirements for their students you know given things that are, are moving more in the direction of automation you know be it uh, ai machine learning and, and all that stuff I think you have to also look at the, I guess, the age range of, you know, new summer associates is probably Generation Z for the most part. And I don't think th there are certain things that they don't have to be taught because they already kind of know and don't have to be, you know, they're moving with the times. And I don't think that's something you really have to just teach them. Yeah, that's, no, that's a good point. Yeah, a lot of this you know, student class, they're very much digital natives, right? You know, they, they grew up in this into this world. So um, yeah, a lot of it probably comes more naturally to them than, you know, some of the, you know, even my my generation <laughs> networking opportunities, the firm provided ample opportunities for networking and mentorship. Uh, and then this one, again, is on a scale from strongly agree to strongly disagree. I will say agree. Um, I believe if you showed initiative or if you wanted to be in, if you wanted to be placed in certain practices, 
the firm would definitely make sure that you had all the tools in your tool belt to meet the people that you needed to meet and to be around the people that you need to be around. Um, so I'll say agree. Great. Yep. So um, just doing the math in my head, 87% um, said agree or strongly agree. So it sounds like firms are, are really doing a uh, you know uh, commendable job about getting students those opportunities to uh, network with their their uh, peers and okay and this one maybe this one you know is really specific to this you know these groups of students that have kind of come of age in the 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 COVID environment, and it's, did your firm offer job flexibility as a recruiting tool? Yes or no? So quite naturally, as a summer associate, you you really want to be there. You want to be there every day. You don't want to miss out on anything. Um, you have like FOMO, fear of missing out. So, I mean, I think for the most part, everybody wanted to come in. However, we did know if you needed to work from home as an associate, you were not tethered to your desk. And I will say the firm that I am ultimately going to versus the firm that I'm not going to, I saw that difference. I saw the difference of at the firm that I'm going to, I could check my emails on my phone. The firm that I'm not going to, I had to be at my desktop to check my emails. I could see there was a a future of being tethered to the desk at my second firm. Yeah, I think that when you're a summer associate, you really want to kind of be present to kind of take it all in and get that sort of hands-on, you know, mentorship, you know, maybe shadow uh, associate attorneys to things like hearings and, and depositions and, and, and things of that nature. So you really want to get that hands-on experience where, you know, when you're entering the workforce, you know, that that flexibility might be more appealing to you. And I think, you know, firms are, are, are kind of, you know, marketing that. And here's another one that's, you know, maybe the, the, the legacy of, of COVID-19. Has the firm implemented lectures or training on subjects such as financial well-being, nutrition and stress management in the aftermath of the pandemic? Okay, so I don't know if I can I say my firm's name. I'm not sure, um, but my firm. I was so excited because every Wednesday you had a chance to go to a different practice group. You got to see the practice group say, you know, what they were all about or whatever like that. You had the option to go or not go. I mean, honestly, if they are giving a lecture on on being a part of the tech practice, I probably would not go. However, it was available. And I will say that I can remember the firm having, um, we went to a, a bank and they were talking about how you should go about buying your home once you get this new big salary or whatever like that. And to have that type of liter financial literacy, that, that type of like little lecture, it spoke so many volumes to me because I feel like they were setting me up for success in things that not only was I not, not thinking about, but things that I know would have to come into play other than just my job. So I say, yes, the firm did do that. Okay. Yeah. 54% said yes. So over half. Okay. Duration. So my summer program is, and then 
we had a scale from less than nine weeks to more than 11 weeks. Do you recall how long your uh, program lasted? So my first summer, I did six weeks at one firm, and I think I did five weeks at the next firm. Um, I was able to do the split. My second summer, I was prepared to work 16 months if they needed me to but I, there was a class that I needed to take that they were phasing out so I was only able to do five weeks my second summer um but I will say in my opinion when firms say you have to do 10 weeks which this wasn't my firm but when I see firms say you have to do 10 weeks it's like you're cutting me off by the ankles and I'm not able to see other things. And I feel like you are blocking if I do need to see something somewhere else. So when I see that and they say you have to do this big long time or whatever like that, I'm just like, oh, I don't know. This is like that's a lot of commitment for my first summer and stuff like that. So I really do enjoy when they give you the option to do a range between six to nine weeks or Sometimes your second semester, you can only have to do two weeks or whatever like that. So I do like that. That's really interesting. And, uh, you know, that's something that I may want to consider um, adding for, for next year's survey, um, whether or not firms, you know, offered that sort of um, flexibility model um, that you mentioned. So it looks like most programs uh, were in the 10-week range, uh, 58%. But 21% had a program last 11 weeks or more, and that's uh, four percentage points um, from 2021. Because I know, you know, during um, the pandemic, and we, you know, we kind of keep going back to that, but it was kind of a pivotal moment. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of programs were, were truncated. Yeah. All right. So we have one more question. And... I want you to give me your most important question or question that you thought that was the most controversial or the craziest percentages and which one was that? Okay. Let me look through my list. Maybe I'll, I'll ask this one. Did the firm offer a signing bonus? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yay. I'm so happy. Yes. And we are able to, we are able to get it anytime during our three L year that we want to. So I'm super excited about that because that's going to definitely help with bar prep as well as, uh, you know, paying for food during bar prep. So I really did enjoy getting a signing bonus. I love to say it like I'm like a football player or a basketball yeah. player. I feel I feel like an athlete that, that got a signing bonus and I feel like, you know, a bit, pretty big deal. That's that's when you know you've made it. <laughs> yes, a signing bonus for being smart. What? Yeah. Excuse me. Well, you were one of the lucky ones um, because only seven percent um, reported what? receiving a signing bonus. And also, um, I believe, like, I'm not sure if I'm saying too much, but we got at my firm like a, I think a thirty thousand dollar raise for. What your income would be for a first year, it it jumped like thirty thousand dollars because of the price of living. So I was just like, like one of those Oprah uh, moments, like you get a car, I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> yeah. So these are, I mean, these are the things law students really want to hear about, right? And yeah. I just want to say um, to the people out there, if you are reading these surveys and you are basically using these surveys as your review i want you to really look into not only just using these surveys but looking at how um 
the interviewee, the interviewers and how the uh, firm makes you feel and the actual experiences of people that you know to make a great decision at what summer associate firms or positions that you should take. I want to thank you so much, Craig, for playing Who Wants to Be a Summer Associate with me. I want to thank you for this um, survey as well as I want to thank you for your time today. Um, where can people take the survey or find the survey or the new survey? Well, first of all, thank you, uh, Demario. I, I really uh, enjoyed our conversation and uh, maybe I'll reach out to you next year when I'm looking yes. to update the survey. To, to Did I just get offered to, a consultant <laughs> position? Am I a data analyst, a, a, an yeah. honorary data analyst you, consultant? You I'm, I'm afraid there's no signing bonus for this okay. one, but, but yeah. Thank you. The survey, it's currently closed because um, we finished our 2022 edition, um, but we do post a link that is available on our site. Uh, that's Law360 Pulse. And we also, uh, we post it in our, our newsletters as well. Um, and I, I reach out to students um, directly uh, and send them a, a link to and an invitation to participate. Thank you so much for um, joining us. And we will be back next month with another great interview. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. Remember, U.S. law students at ABA-accredited schools can join the ABA for free. Join now at AmericanBar.org forward slash law student. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.